Hello, fellow planeswalkers, and welcome to Into the Ether Vortex. My name's Ninja Boy, your guide into all the different ways you can enjoy Magic the Gathering, and how they all come together into something wild, wacky, and a little bit magical. Hope everyone's doing well out there. This episode is a bit later than I was hoping to come out, uh, but that's okay. Part of that delay is that I've been dreading talking about Streets of New Capenna draft experience. Now, normally I'll try to have two episodes per set, right? One at the start, talking about cards and that seem interesting for me to add to constructed decks, and then one that's maybe a month in or so, or maybe the end of the format, depending on how busy I get, um, talking about my mostly limited experience playing the set. And, you know, I'll do that still, but if you've been paying attention to the discourse about limited content lately, uh, Switch of New Capenna is not a great format. A big indicator of this is that toward the end of my time drafting uh, with the traditional draft queues, I was sometimes waiting for upwards of five minutes or longer to fill a draft table, which is a sign of waning interest from the community. Um, not to say that, uh, you know, Legend, uh, Alchemy Baldur's Gate is, is um, I'm clamming for that either. So I'm probably going to be on a limited hiatus until... Um, I guess September when Dominaria United comes out, but you know, let, let's let's just talk about Feature of New Capenna for a little bit. Um, now, you know, part of that is that now part of now going back to the fact that I'm doing traditional queue for a little bit. Um, normally, in previous sets, I would just play best of one, right? That's the rank queue. That's how you can get your rank up. Um, but you know, I've always found that I've kind of plateaued around platinum or so, right? Um, recently, they implemented uh, play points where if you three zero a traditional best of three draft, you get two points which you can save up and accumulate for future qualifier weekends of arena, which take twenty points. Uh, given that historically, I again plateaued at about platinum or so, I figured I'd try my luck, you know, maybe try to spike a couple of drafts to get a few points, you know, over time. Uh, so I've been playing best of one from the start up until I hit about platinum or so, which is generally my ceiling, and then uh, switch over to traditional draft. So, you know, overall, I ended up doing about 12 best of one drafts, uh, seven in the first month before I hit platinum, five in the second month, and then three best of 30 best of three drafts. Uh, and I believe it was something like 18 in the first month, 12 in the second month. Uh, overall, my best of one win rate was 55.8% which makes sense given that I'm mostly playing in the lower ranked uh, for these. Um, but however, my best of three win rate was an abysmal 43.33 match win rate, 39 losses, wins, 51 losses. And my game win rate was only marginally better at 45%. 45 wins, about 111 uh, losses. Uh, overall, I had two 7x drafts in best of one and only one 3-0 draft in best of three. Um, otherwise, I had 10 2-1 drafts, 16-1-2 drafts, and 3-0-3 uh, drafts, uh, one being a blowout of an 0-6. Uh, meaning I, I, I won zero games. Now, a lot can and has been said about uh, Switch of New Capenna that made it not enjoyable. You know, it's too fast uh, to really do any three-color shenanigans like you were hoping for. White and Brogers were way overpowered compared against the Gruel colors, for example. You know, normally I like to go into all the stats of you know each individual color and, and go through, like, here are the decks I find interesting. Um, but, you know, I, I won't go through all of that in detail, but, you know, it bears out, right? White is my most played color overall. I had 17 matches in there. Uh, this is all best of three. Uh, blue had 15, black 14, green 13, and red at 10. Not counting two random matches, actually, that I played uh, red-white, which is, you know, weird uh, enemy color pairs in, a, in a, what's basically a, a, an ally color pair set. 
Um, if you combine the, the three color decks with these two ally color decks uh, that make up the tricolor identity, uh, Brokers was my most winning 50% of matches and games being a win. Um, Cabaretti was another 50% match win rate, but 48.9% game win rate, uh, helped by a fairly strong performance with Green right, White, and then my sole uh, 3 0 traditional draft coming from uh, a traditional draft that was red green. Um, and mind you, these are all going. I, I started using 17 lands here, so I'm going with what the color identity uh, 17 lands says it should be, um, even if maybe I splash for a different color. Um, Esper and Jun had about 45.5% match win rates, Jun being slightly higher in games, and Grixis brought up the rear with a 41% match rate and 43% game win rate. Now, not counting splashes, you know, I definitely went hardest in white-blue, uh, eight decks, uh, blue-black, six decks, many of which involved me losing by decking myself, and then green-white uh, and then straight-banth both having uh, five decks each. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just going to stick, leave it there, right? But I will say, uh, you know, I want to, uh, I, there were a couple other events worth mentioning about Streets of New Capanna before I close the chapter on that. Uh, first pre-release, you know, I made my way back to my OG game store, Modernity Comics, uh, in Midtown, New York. Um, and I went, I drafted on, on, or, or played Sealed on Sunday, and I, I picked the Cabaretti pool, um, since, you know, I tend to prefer Naya among the, uh, the, uh, the Wedges and then, uh, Timur among Sarge. Um, but yeah, my, I had a pretty sick pool. I, I opened the, the cab ready had Jetmere as well as the Fleet Foot Dancer. And I'm going officially 2 0 and 1, splitting in the finals for prize support. Um, we did play out some games. I technically lost uh, the mats off of a greedy keep, but we played an extra game and I ended up winning that. So I think I was pretty happy with my deck. Um, overall, I, I even won one game by getting to nine creatures and, and tricking, getting all the levels of, uh, of, of Jetmere, so that was pretty fun. Um, in the prize packs, I also opened the Gilded Age version of Rafik. Um, these were set booster drafts. Or set boosters, um, and I also opened the Bean Town Bullies from the Commander Precons. Um, so solid value all around there. Now, as usual, I also played in the Arena Open. Um, this one actually did pretty well. This was uh, Street of New Capenna Limited. I was on the road visiting some family upstate, so I wasn't able to play it on uh, on my computer. I had to do it on my phone. Um, I gave myself only one shot since, you know, I didn't want to take time away from the family, but, you know, after we spent the day out, I, I only really had time for one 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 attempt at it. Um, luckily, I opened a pretty busted broker's pool with two disciplined duelists, uh, a Regal Streetwise Mentor, two Sparrow's Adjudicators, a Darling of the Masses, and a Giada Font of Hope ended up going an easy 7 1 with that draft, only losing to Rabble Rousing. Um, unfortunately, my luck the next day uh, with day two continued to fail me as I went 0 2 with a green white aggro deck that got bullied by brokers. Um, part of this was, I think, that uh, toward the end of the day, um, I, I entered the queue at the beginning, but you know, we were traveling back to New York. I didn't want to play on the road because of spotty uh, internet potentially. So it took us a while to get home actually, and by the time it was pretty late in the day, and I was kind of tired out by that point. So um, definitely wasn't at my peak condition and I think uh, I, I think some of the people you know people maybe who are waiting uh, for later on or who are up against maybe had stronger decks uh, anyway while I didn't get into that Finally, you know, I didn't get into the qualifier weekend off of points or rank, but I did end up playing the qualifier sealed play-in event the weekend before. Um, luckily, I had the gems and gold to spare. It took me five bullets or so to try to get there, but as with most things this format, I was basically a lottery of trying to get a good broker's pool, or in my case, green-white deck uh, with a double darling of the masses going 6-1. On the actual qualifier weekend itself, I ended up two and two in matches, uh, two four in games, uh, with a with a bait or uh, with a base green white deck splashing uh, blue. 
So yeah, um, again, I'm probably not going to be playing much limited until uh, Dominaria United. I think the exception will be this coming weekend, uh, t- uh, tomorrow, as this episode comes out. Um, uh, Monacy is holding the store championship, which is going to be uh, as features new Capanna sealed. So you know, I'm going to hopefully open a good broker stack there um, and, and see what I can do to get the promos there. Um, but yeah, uh, other than that, you know, I've been playing mostly constructed on the ladder. I'm really happy with the new Explorer format that comes out since definitely i'm tired of the alchemy cards and especially in historic um so you know mostly i play you know, as is typical for me mono red um i was previously do- when when grease fang was kind of the top deck in the format i was kind of doing a version that was uh um a wizard lightnings uh, version that i saw one of the cfb pros have um where you know it focused on get, being able to deal three damage um at instant speed uh for fairly cheap um in order to counter fang counter counter a uh, grease fang basically when it when it would come in before it would be able to trigger its, its ability um but you know since then Ractus mid-range has kind of taken over the top of the format and i'm trying to figure out a good way around that I kind of switched over to using frank karsten's build but that might be a little bit out of date at this point um, otherwise, sometimes you know, for for daily uh, daily quests, I'll, I'll sometimes switch to the green white collected angels deck, which is definitely the other bane of the the mono red build. Um, so yeah, um, now I could end the episode just here, but you know, it is only about what nine minutes in at this point. Um, so that'd be a little bit short, but I do have some exciting updates about something long overdue. Um, over the pandemic, you know, I'd been keeping track of cards I wanted to update my EDH deck switch, but couldn't really justify since I wasn't really going out to play EDH with friends. I would, you know, do a couple of virtual here and there, but you know, between moving apartments, which costs money, and changing jobs, uh, which definitely put a, a, a crimp on my savings, um, it wasn't really able to do that, but you know, with Magic 30 event uh, announced for Vegas in October, which I'm planning on attending with some friends, um, I'm looking to, you know, sting some spells in person again with ED8. So I'm finally getting around to updating all those decks that I have. Now, for reference, you know, uh, I had before the pandemic built out, uh, or around the, sometime near the beginning of the pandemic, I had about 19 is EDH decks pretty much built out. Um, I've gone through, checked them all for what cards from the last few years I wanted to add in, um, and in some cases, even significantly reworked the deck's identity. Um, for most of them, you know, I haven't actually bought the cards just yet. Um, I have unsleeved cards that I don't, I will be removing. Um, found some things from like my my binders that I, I I was looking around for and adding it in there, but otherwise it's mostly just a tech stock on my computer with the individual cards pulled from Archidec, where I'm keeping obviously all my deck lists. Um, and I also need to pull stuff out of the, pre-con- the, pre- the pre-cons I've been collecting. So um, in, in, to keep it interesting, I'm actually going to do it from a monetary num- value of how my, uh, what my distance are from least uh, expensive to most expensive to update. So first off, two decks that basically have uh, no updates uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, this is uh, my Ramos Tarkio Dragon Cycles deck. You know, it's a deck of all the cycles from the Tarkio blocks of all the dragons, um, plus Sarkhan as well. Um, obviously, until we go back to Tarkio and get more cycles or new Sarkhan uh, Planeswalker, that's not going to get any updates. Um, and then I also have my uh, Team Atarka Flavor deck. Um, all the cards from that block that are flavored, the Team Atarka. I think Goreclaw is the most recent addition there. But other than that, uh, yeah, not too much else I need to, to update there. Uh, next, there's actually one deck that I have updated uh, already, uh, bought the cards and all that, uh, God Tribal. Uh, this is mostly made up of all of the uh, Theros secret layer drop gods. Um, but, you know, the big additions here were, one, adding in the new three gods of death from Commander Legends Baldur's Gate using their showcase style. Um, I think I took out the omens for these, and then I also added in the Kaldheim gods, um, aside from Jorn, who's in my snow deck, um, in their showcase variety as well. Um, the only other god I think I took out... 
uh, here uh, not in the deck right now is the Scarab God, uh, mostly due to him being like $30 at this point. Uh, I have the other two uh, Amonkhet Gods in there. Um, right now I'm running one more land than I would normally, so I'll probably just swap out land when I'm able to get a hold of a Scarab God. Uh, speaking of my snow deck, uh, my old deck was snow deck was led by Golos, and I just haven't found a new commander that'll work for him, right? Um, I mean, you know, it's five color, good, it's five colored snow stuff, right? You know, I, I think I'm just probably not going to change that, I'm not going to worry about it too much. I'll keep Golos in the head, but you know, I'll just ask to rule zero it with people that, you know, hey, if you don't want me to cast Golos, I'll just won't cast Golos. I just need them for the color identity, right? Um, this one has a like a dollar worth of cards I need to update that somehow I didn't get from I think the. I think it was Modern Horizons, but a couple of cards I need to update I don't have yet, so I'm going to be looking around for those. Um, uh, a couple of cards from Caldheim I, ha I, ha I somehow missed. Um, next up is Murfolks, which in addition to Arcane Signet and Commander Sphere, uh, uh, which I somehow didn't have in the deck, the main additions would be Sivilin of Sea and Sky from Modern Horizons 2, um, as well as a couple of Zendikar Murfolk. Um, those come out to about $5 worth of updates. Um, next up, also hailing from my excellent period of building decks, we have my Pirates deck. Um, with a lot of long overdue update of the essence of, of Pirates from uh, Commander Legends. Um, I'd also tweak the cards in the deck currently to be a little bit less treasure focused. You know, treasures kind of become more ubiquitous everywhere, less specifically Grixis. I'm keeping a couple cards, but a lot more strict. You know, I had to make room for the for the new Pirate Legends. Pirate somehow, so figured this would be a good place to cut there. Um, this this set of updates costs about will cost me about eight dollars. On the other Ixalan Tribal deck, I need to make another two are Dinosaurs, also $8 in total. Um, there are a couple of just dinosaurs from sets here and there, like the Tarrasque or some stuff from uh, Ikoria that I'm throwing in here. Um, you know, nothing nothing too crazy. Um, and then, you know, moving up to the double digits, uh, one of my more powerful decks, actually, I played this at um, at GP Phoenix back when we had GPs, um, is uh, Kestia, and I actually won a game without really meaning to. Uh, it's Kestia Enchantment Creatures with Totem Armor. Um, so, you know, Modern Horizons and Kamigama one Neon Dynasty gave us a bunch of new Enchantment Matters cards like uh, Sithis, um, we have Jukai, Jukai uh, Naturalist, um, some other of um, Sagas, um, and cards that care about Enchantment creatures. Um, so, you know, I'm just going to add those into the deck. These will co cost me about $15 total. And then jumping up to nearly $50, we have my Thopter Tribal deck, uh, led by Brea. Um, I took out the assembly workers that I had had in here, and some of the less impactful Thopters, and focuses more on the token, um, some, some token buffs here as well. Um, I also need to add in the artifact dual lands uh, from Modern Horizons too, just to up the artifact count in this deck. Um, also, I need to update my Sea Monster Tribal deck with my new, with new Serpents, Krakens, Leviathans, and such from the past couple of years. It says it's going to, on Arcade, it'll cost me $45 to do, but I think a lot of these are actually coming out of the pre-cons, uh, so I think that should be a little bit cheaper than that, actually. But that's that's what I haven't bothered going in to see what pre-con cards I actually have. So out of my 19 decks, that's about 10 or so that I have kind of like sitting on my desk, basically, um, or already in myself. I, you know, like I said, I moved apartments. I have a self that's basically all my magic decks. Took them out of the desk, uh, out of the self, put the deck cards, the decks that are waiting cards on the desk next to me. Um, so yeah, those are kind of like staring at me right now. Um, now, there are a couple of other decks that I obviously need to talk about, right? There are three that are significantly reworked with a major theme added or removed um, or adjusted. Uh, first off, I have my Tazri Allies deck, my pretty standard Allies deck. Um, previously, I was using the Gates as a mana base for these, right? Um, you know, five colors, five colors, makes sense. However, with more Gate payoffs in Baldur's Gate, I figured it's time to make the Gates, um, you know, 
take 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 the gates out um, and run them with another five color deck I want to run, which is shrines, and it kind of makes sense like shrines architecture, gates architecture, just kind of all goes together there. Um, I'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, I also threw in a couple of the myriad cards from Commander's uh, Baldur's Gate to make up the difference of cards that I lost from from gate support. Um, and I just did the mana base a little bit, um, but you know allies uh, will be fixed for about another ten dollars or so unless I want to update the mana base even further. Uh, next up, my OG deck, Omnath Hydras. Now, there's always a little bit of fuzziness with some elementals being in here. Right? A lot of elementals caring about the number of lands you control, which I justify as being, oh, that's kind of Hydra-ish. Um, but I got really sick this time around, actually, and added in a fling sub-theme uh, to help us through damage. Right? Uh, you know, some Hydras obviously have trample on them, but most of them don't. So figuring out a way to push through damage is really important. There are, a couple, there are still some elementals in there, but they are very much... Like very very specifically focused for uh, pushing through damage. Like I think this one Geodranger from the Zendikar Rising Precon Commander deck that, um, based on the number of counters on creatures I have, it blocks it it it, it makes things not able to block, which perfect for Hydra deck. Um, you know, and you know I also got into reworking my ramp. Right, I, I kind of had a mana base. I was only running thirty four lands actually, so I upped that number to forty lands, um, and reworked you know what exactly my ramp packets would be and uh, what my land compositions would be actually. But that's I think that's that's actually a pretty interesting theory of, of deck building, which I'll put into another episode. Suffice to say, you know, Hydras will need about $65 to update, but again, a lot of these are also coming from pre-cons, um, because there's always a Hydra in the pre-con somewhere, right? Uh, my other signature decks, I would call, say, is my Yuriko Ninjas deck, um, which I'm updating for about $55. Now, previously, right, this is kind of like my, my try-hard deck. Like, Yuriko is a pretty scary commander, right? You know, you can hit, get her out as early as turn two and start basically flipping your top of your deck, manipulating the top of your deck to try to get these big mana value stuff to uh, dome the entire table for real quickly before anyone can put it with defense. However, you know, with all the ninjas from Neon Dynasty, uh, I did have a ninja sub theme, but you know, it was taking away from the. It was definitely that's why I was looking to do so more, and Neon Dynasty definitely gave me the opportunity with more ninjas, right? Um, and I just can't fit everything in there, so I decided to power down Yuriko finally, take out the big mana value stuff, and just include everything ninja flavored and related. I am, you know, ninja boy after all. Um, so it's it's basically thirty three lands. 33 ninjas and then 33 uh, unblockable creatures and some fun some fuzziness in those numbers but you know, that's basically how it is um, nothing I believe aside nothing outside of the ninjas costs more than like four mana basically so nothing too terrible when if I would flip something off the top so that's 13 out of 19 the last six I don't quite have a solid deck list yet um, I have built them at some point but they are a work in progress with major updates to be made uh, first off, I apparently I forgot I had this deck somewhere. I don't ever remember actually playing it. Um, but it's a Queen Mar Marchesa Monarch tribal deck with a, a, a bit of a knight sub theme. Um, however, I think uh, now is a good a time as any. You know, it's uh, Commander's uh, Commander's Baldur's Gate has come out already. It's been out for a while, and so things are a little bit cheaper there. So you know, I'm going to add more monarchy stuff in there, and I think I already had a bunch of voting stuff. I want to add more voting stuff. So you know, those. Uh, basically are five colors, so I figure put him under the one true king of Kenrith. Um, so, you know, throw him his twin plane-walking plane children as well, and um, I have a list there. Um, I need to, I think, cut down a little bit more, but it's pretty much uh, almost there. Um, next up, uh, Nadila Warriors is, I, this is always a deck that was kind of hard to keep maintained because there's always new warriors and it kind of always fluctuated of like, what, what do I want to be doing with the warriors? I don't want it to be a super CEDH type of build. Um, but you know, see, it can be kind of snowball-y and you know, I, it's hard to figure out exactly what you want to do with the, with the warriors. Um, so I need to figure out exactly what I want to do there. Um, really no idea what I want to do with that. 
Um, and then previously, you know, I had a green-white cat tribal deck led by Arabo from the Cat Commander precon. Um, however, you know, again, opening Jetmere in the pre-release for Streets of New Capenna gave me the idea that I might finally have a reason actually to go Naya and get some red cards in there, right? You know, in addition to um, cats, I also run all the Ajani's in there. Of course, I'm missing the one red-white Ajani, so this is finally a way to do that. There are a couple of red, of red cats, not too many, a couple. Um, so, you know, and but, you know, in order to do to fit them in, I'm still undecided which way I want to go if I want to stay green white if I want to add in the red um if I do add in the red, you know, I probably need to take out the equipment sub theme that I have that I've had going on in the deck. Um, there are a couple of cats that do care about equipment, but you know, might need to take out some of the big pieces. Um, now, one thing that I found is that you know there was a secret layer a while back that I actually didn't get. I might actually go out of my way to buy this on the secondhand market. Of you know, um, the wife of Junji Ito, her art, her name is Ayako, um, as an artist, um, made a secret layer that's all cats basically. Um, she also did one of the Mystic Archives, um, uh, I think Thrill. Of possibility with a cat uh in the art so you know that's perfect for this deck and her the colors of that that, that secret layer drop is 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 in naya so that's kind of perfect for me to actually to add add them in there um but yeah i mean that would, I, I, it, that i was a little apprehensive i think seeing those secret layers when i was looking for you know uh, art of cards with cats in it that totally convinced me that okay i need to do this uh, anyway, I, I, another tribal deck, I kind of hit the point where Edgar and Markov, Markov Vampires, um, with all the new vampires from the couple of Innisfad sets we've had, there's just so many I need to bring it into two decks, right? I'm not sure how I'm going to split it right, yet, right? Like, obviously you can build Edgar Markov in the very typical low-to-the-ground, one-and-two-mana drop vampires and just overwhelm the opponent, but that gets boring after a while. Um, you know, I, I tend to lean higher mana value, especially if I can have, like, the expensive vampires. Thinking about, you know, going with a wedding theme and have Edgar be all the legendary creatures. Um, but then, you know, what do I do with the rest? Um, you know, I think maybe a life gain theme and or maybe the blood token theme from from uh, from Crimson Vow could go in with uh, Lysia Sanguine Tribune, uh, you know, for a very flavorful blood life gain uh, thing. But, you know, we'll see. Not so yet there. Um, and then with a new, you know, blue-white uh, vehicle commander deck, you know, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with my red-white uh, dwarf vehicle tribal deck um, as they're kind of competing with each other for all of the white vehicle cards um, and white pilots, which, you know, I don't like to repeat cards between decks if I can. Um, maybe I'll lean this one into more of a dwarf tribal theme for this one and, and move all the vehicle vehicle or stuff to blue-white. Um, we'll see. I, I haven't really decided yet there. Uh, the last deck, which I never quite built fully, is a uh, Band Clues tribal deck featuring Tamiyo. It kind of was like a Scooby-Doo, right? You have clue tokens, and then you also have food tokens. Um, and then, you know, there were a couple of dog theme, threw in a dog theme with, with uh, Jin Yang, or Jin Yang, um, uh, uh, Mo Wu, and, and Tolvar, and so on. Um, so, you know, I... Or, Tolsumir, right? So not Tolvar, Tolvar, different, different, given good boy. Um, so yeah, I mean that never really got fully built out. You know, I did kind of have an idea to maybe make it like Stranger Themes, five color, right? With the Stranger Theme, uh, Stranger Things secret layer drop. Um, but not really sure that's worth adding in two extra colors as they are fairly marginal to the investigate theme overall. So we'll see. Uh, Anyway, those are all the decks that I kind of need to update that I currently have. However, going through Architect and updating this gave me the idea to reorganize my folders, one, so I, I have a better system of what needs to be built, what needs to be updated, what's still like a work in progress, but then also gave me the idea to just build a bunch of decks on paper as I was inspired by cards I came across. So uh, I have something like 20 new decks that I want to build um, that, I, that I actually have like full deck list at this point. Um, they, I even ha have even more decks that I don't really have a deck list. I just kind of threw a bunch of 
of cards in in the sandbox and then called it a day because I couldn't figure out how to cut it down. So what I'm doing with this is something I think is kind of interesting, right? So one of the things I like most about EDH is the variety, right? It's a hundred card singleton deck. I tend not to run many tutors in my decks, if any at all, um, and really just kind of go see what variants, wild variants plays I can get from game to game. Well, you know, what I want to do is basically one pick a theme, right? So let's say elves, right? Um, so look at all the elves, figure out what color identity do I want to have for elves, right? Um, so green, green, black, green, black, white were kind of like my options. And then looking at like, hey, what are the commanders that would fit this color identity that fit with this theme? So, you know, I could do mono green and there's a couple of mono green elf commanders, um, in absent colors. There's, I think like one, I think absent elf commander. That's not really even elfy. It just happens to be an elf. Um, but there are a bunch of actually thinking about it, green, black elf commanders or even green, black partner elf commanders. So, um, what I'm doing is I'm including all of these legendaries in the, in these deck lists that have the same color identity that fit the theme. And then what I'm going to be doing is essentially in the future, when I eventually build these decks and run them out, is kind of like in the pre-cons having a second commander behind the face commander. Um, it's having the option of hey I can run this commander or I can pick a different commander and and get a completely different play experience with the same deck list. So um, I think I will increase the 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 variety of my gameplay and you know also maybe helpfully cater my my decks to be appropriate power level right. So for example I talked about uh, I think a couple episodes ago or last episode where I had like a adventurous tribal deck that I wanted to build with the cards from um, Commander La uh, Baldur's Gate and you know I could run Gorion who's the kind of like the standard command or I could run, you know, Tulane, who is a much higher power commander and could probably win, even if it's not specifically built around him. Or if I want to power it down, I could just do, you know, Feldegriff, which is, a, you know, a legendary creature technically, but not really one that uh, that, that synergizes at all with the deck. So this is, it's kind of var var variability there, right? Um, again, some like these, like, band adventures I've talked about in past episodes, but, you know, I'll go through all of these in, in kind of, again, ascending order, not factoring cards that I may already have that I need to dig out somewhere. So... The cheapest deck list I kind of came across is another band list, uh, which is Arcades Defenders. Yeah, I mean, just looking at essentially cards that care about toughness, cards that boost toughness, and walls that basically what I did was looked at, you know, per mana value, what is the highest toughness I can get per creature. Um, yeah, it just ended up being Banth Arcades, which basically comes out to about $30 or so, which is super cheap. Um, and then, you know, I talked about this last episode, we're going to too much, but, you know, Esper, Parties, and Dungeon from uh, Baldur's Gate. Um, and then, I don't know how I got this idea to do this one, but, you know, I think I was on EDHVEC looking at stuff, and I happened to come across the tribe before uh, Centaurs, which is really low count. And, like, well, Centaurs probably isn't enough for a full deck, but, you know, Centaurs are in red-green, and another red-green hoofed deck, hoofed creature deck is uh, is is satyrs. Um, and there are a couple of commanders in, in both of these, so why don't I just do a satyrs and centaurs hoof tribal deck? Um, that comes out to about $43 total. Um, and that, that's definitely going to be super, super not, super not, not high power at all. Um, talking about bad commander, bad adventures, that's about $55 last I checked. Um, I've had this, and then another deck I had this floating around for a long time is, uh, Prosh, uh, Saplings. You know, ever since the first Dominaria, there's a bunch of Saplings floating around and, um, you know, I've, I've had a Prosh for a while. Um, I wanted to build around him and, you know, I, you could do typical food chain stuff that I'm not really interested in that. So, um... You know, figured if he was all about sacrificing stuff that goes wide and, and kind of, you know, saplings go wide and they end up, you know, wanting to be sacrificed in a lot of cases. I mean, throwing frost at the head couldn't be, wouldn't be a bad option for that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and 
not only that, you know, mostly I do a about tribal, um, and occasionally write like a mechanic. Um, but I, I really go full combo. But I found one thing that's super interesting is that, um, you know, there are some cards that just kind of like combo with a sneeze, right? And so one card that really caught my eye on this was Devoted Druid, right? Most famous for the Vizier Druid combo, where um, because Vizier Remedies prevents. Uh, uh, if you would, would reduce the number of minus one minus one counters placed on the creature by one, um, uh, a devoted druid, you know, can untap itself by putting a minus one minus one counter on it. Well, both of these out on the field at the same time, you can endlessly tap and untap devoted druid and get a lot of mana. Um, but there are a bunch of other things that combo with this, right? Um, and and so I kind of went through this uh, combos page on EVH rec, um that that. That tells you what combos as a midwife community a particular card goes in. I just kind of like started doing like a map of like let's already devote a druid and let's see what it combos with, and then let's go from those cards that all one circle of influence out and see what those combo with, and kind of build a deck around what cards can combo with each other. Now, obviously, I could have gone you know it'd be a lot easier in absent absent kind of like you know gay for example or me call the new death god uh, um you know uh, from from Baldur's gate all combo with these guys right um but you know adding in black for especially for the free sack outlets that you can get with like you know a bunch of persist creatures for example felt kind of like cheating almost um so i ended up actually cutting black and seeing what i could do in green white only with emil the, the the unicorn commander as the commander so i'm calling this my green white comboops deck or combo oops um or you know that's that one's actually fairly affordable at only 78 dollars um i think there are a couple of expensive things i'm not running in there like finale of devastation and all that but i mean this is uh this is definitely i think something that's super um whenever i get around to building like a, a more competitive deck i think this might one might end up being it um, let's see. We also have Gruel Werewolves again. Right, we have the new couple of Innistrad decks, Innistrad sets with a bunch of new vampires. So you know, just looking at what that would cost about eighty-eight dollars total. Um, let's see. I mentioned earlier we have a. I want to move my gates into a shrine deck. You know, again, Neon Neon Dynasty is probably my favorite set that there's ever been of Magic. Frankly speaking, uh, maybe except except from Tarkir. Um, and you know, we got more shrines. We finally got the five color shrine commander. Um, this one's an even hundred dollars. Last I checked. Again, not counting cards I already have, and I already have a bunch of the gate cards. So you know, this one should be a fairly straightforward build. Um, let's see. This one. The next one I kind of had, had had floating around for a while in my head. Um, it's ever since the Ikoria um, precons. There's this one commander in Sultai. Um, I forget the name exactly. I don't have it written down in my show notes, but it's the the Sultai partner commander. So the 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 whales, the the wolf shark, uh, a wolf whale, um, and and his human. And the wolf is basically um, unblockable. Um, and then the and then when it dies, it deals damage to somebody equal to its power. Um, and then the the human basically whenever a creature deals damage increases its increases that creature's power places that many plus one plus one counters on it. Well, I put in a I want to build an infect deck, uh, kind of evil, yes I know, um, but build an infect deck with this one. Um, it comes out to only about one hundred and two dollars in Sultai colors. The idea is you know Voltron up this this wolf with all the infect stuff um, and, and get him in through slip him through unblockable, and even if he gets removed, get destroyed, um, he'll end up dealing effect that infect damage to somebody. So I think that's a pretty cool combo there. Um, we have the green black deck, which I green black elves deck, which I kind of talked about before. That's going to be about one hundred and twenty dollars um, if I build it from scratch. Um, and then let's see. I found you know uh, I'll I, I'll talk a little bit about some dragon decks later on, but one of the but 
one of the byproducts of that is a uh, nickel bolus tribal deck. Um, all cards that are nickel bolus or directly reference nickel bolus or have them in the flavor text or art or something, that comes out to about $144, um, sub-theme of the Amass mechanic from War of the Spark. Um, and then let's see, another tribe uh, is Mono Red Goblins. Of course, you know, I've always wanted to build a Cranko deck um, and just throw in a bunch, a bunch of stuff in there. So, you know, that's $160 there. Um, now, again... Neon Dynasty was my, my favorite set. Um, we got a bunch of new samurais, and I don't know. I had an idea for a while for making a four-color four samurai deck, right? Like, samurai, I think, have always been centered in red-white, had a little bit of black, had a little bit of green in the original Kamigawa. Um, and then we got a couple more, you know, a couple more of those colors as well in uh, in, in, in Neon, uh, Neon Dynasty Kamigawa. I was thinking, you know, Sasuke would be a good, very samurai-esque type uh Samurai-esque deck um, where, you know, Samurais definitely want to be attacking and, and getting boosted, but it's hard to kind of spread them out. So, you know, if you attack one person and then have Sasuke redirect double that damage to another person, that kind of maybe could make up the weakness of Samurai. The more I looked at the deck, though, I needed to make cuts. I mean, it just made more sense to just cut it down to, like, a red-white Samurai deck, which feels really boring, frankly speaking. So, not really sure where this one stands. I mean, maybe red-white-black with Ishin, but, you know, there aren't honestly that many triggered on attack. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is a... That was a... Uh, this is a hard one to, to think on. Right now, Samurais will be 173 if I were to build them, which doesn't seem great. Um, and then, let's see, the new commanders, uh, Baldur's Gate, uh, Precon gave us a, a, a Horrors tribal deck, um, which kind of got me thinking, well, what other Horrors are there out there? And I ended up going into a Nightmare Horror sub-theme uh, with uh, Asiok as well, um, and that ended up being about $209 total, actually, which seems pretty cool um, to build out. Well, definitely nothing, not something I'm going to build immediately, but kind of further down the line. And then the most expensive deck, uh, which I kind of have been eyeing for a while, actually, is uh, what I call Mana Rock Tribal, right? So back when Paradox Engine uh, was legal, um, you know, the, the idea would be play a Mana Rock, uh, you know, basically play a bunch of Mana Rocks, only Mana Rocks, basically, um, and then uh, play a Mana Rock with Paradox Engine out, untap all your, all your, all your Mana Rocks, um, you know, have cards in there that draw one of you guys' artifact cards, um, and just kind of like loop through them endlessly, um, and, 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 and storm through your deck to some degree to get to essentially one of the mass artifact animation spells. Um, March of the Machines is probably the classic one, um, and, and, and kill with that. Um, and, you know, I like throwing Planeswalkers in there as well, so, you know, um, Tezzeret seemed like a good match here, um, and then maybe Sahili as well. Um, so, you know, I have all the Sahili and, and Tezzeret Planeswalkers, so the 228 price tag on this one shouldn't be at the final price on this um and it will be a bunch of mana rocks actually so this is kind of like a a, a really interesting build i think that, that that should be fun to pull off at least a couple of times um again this isn't everything i've got a couple ideas that i haven't really tackled yet such as you know making 10 pre 10 decks that are basically all the cycles of um of ravnica cards uh for the guilds and then have you know all the guild mages in each of their respective decks all the guild leaders in their respective decks all the charms in their respective decks and kind of see how i can build a deck that way um so yeah i mean that's one way that that another um i had an idea also kind of building when i had, was having trouble cutting stuff down in five color decks mostly of uh, what i call a lottery deck right so even upping the variance of my edh decks further you know we build these decks, and then they are set 60 deck, and then we swap them in and out as new cards come in. Um, I figured, like, why not just do something like, you know, like a, a cube, for example, has, you know, maybe a 1080 cards. But you'll never actually draft all 
1080 cards or whatever in the queue, or 720 cards in the cube, unless you have a lot of people, right? Um, there's some variance there in what actually gets opened. And I figure, why not apply that to a queue, to a to a to an EDH deck, right? So you know, have say I don't know a 40 card mana base that doesn't change game to game. That still leaves 60 cards, right? Um, so for slivers, for example, um, there there are I currently have from the secret layers two of the five color sliver commanders. Um, I can probably get the other two, but even if I don't, I still have two, two of the five colors to the commanders. Pick one at random at the start of the game. And then uh, for the remaining 59 cards, just take take have a box of all slivers or whatever slivers I want to include. Mostly I stick to the new border slivers. Um, and then just pull a random selection of those slivers and then slot them in. Don't really look at them, what, what, what they're in there. Don't try to pick them out. Um, maybe I end up with the really good slivers. Maybe I end up with the not really good slivers. So it's probably going to be a mix of both. Um, and then uh, each game will be completely different. I'm playing a completely different deck each time. Um, and so, yeah, that was, I think that would be a really interesting way to, to build a commander deck. Um, so I think I'm going to probably be building that at some point. Um, um, I think all the slivers, not counting the five color ones I have, not counting the most expensive one, even counting the kind of the more expensive ones, I think it will total about eighty dollars or so um, for all of them. So I think that will be a, a, a pretty um, cool build, and finally get to build a sliver deck. Um, I'm also applying this idea to a uh, mono red dragon deck, right? So this one takes all of the like. There's always this joke, not a joke, but this is the trend where like, okay, we need to have a splashy big red mythic or rare at, at rare creature. What do we do? Command the design team just puts in like a dragon, basically, if dragons are appropriate for the world, right? Um, and you know they vary in power level. They usually matter something with the set. Um, so I figure, you know, these are again dragons, some of the most iconic creatures in Magic. Why not just showcase all of them, right? So, you know, I found 53 uh, dragons, new border frame, um, excluded the ones that care about artifacts, because uh, I don't have a lot of artifacts in, in this deck. Have, you know, select 30 out of the 53 dragons to put into the deck. Um, and then, I'm only doing 30 instead of the 60 like the slivers, because dragons all are pretty expensive, and that would kill my curve. Um, but in order to get around that, I'm actually going to be playing 30-ish uh, dragons of postcards, thumbing stone, pyromancer's assault, um, basically to just get a bunch of dragons onto the battle field um and get get a bunch of them into the graveyard and then uh cast and then you know the other the other part of that is i'm going to be playing a bunch of rummage effects to essentially churn through my deck and get try to get more uh dragons uh approaches into the graveyard and, and as quickly as possible so you know excluding any mythic dragons above ten dollars or so the, the total suite of dragons would be 179 um uh, the so the full deck would be 179 dollars 73 of which is actually the dragon's approaches so you know, this one i think would be an, another kind of lottery type system to, to play with but yeah like i mentioned earlier i actually had a bunch of dragon idea decks one of which is the bolus deck one is this random dragon's deck but there are a couple of others that kind of spawned this one right so like I mentioned before, I have the Ramos Tarkir Dragon Cycle deck, right? Entirely of cycles from Tarkir, from the Tarkir block. Now, I thought, hey, there are a lot of other cycles of dragons um, throughout Magic's history. Let's try to run another five-color deck, maybe led by the Ur Dragon or um, Sign of the Ur Dragon or whatnot to, to, to build it out. And, you know, I, I put together all the cycles I could find um, of the legendary, legendary of, uh, and most of them were legendary dragons. Um, but I came a little, a little bit short, right? So, I know. I also didn't want to include, right, like, Arcades just would not make sense in this sort of deck because he cares about Defender. There were no Defender dragons, really, that I want to be playing. So, uh you know, Arcadius was off to that deck. Bolas, 
I kind of inspired Bolas to go off to another deck, right? Um, and so I wanted to add in, you know, well, the other three in the set, I didn't want to, like, leave, just leave there and leave them out. So I added in, hey, what are the other legendary dragons out in Magic's history that I could add in there? Again, aside from the ones from Tarkir. Um, and I also added in some support that were, that was, you know, I was going to be doing the dragon, the, the dragon's approach thing here. Um, so let me try to, like, add some support that, like, help cast into the dragons, right? But I didn't to be too many cards, so I needed to cut some stuff out, right? And, you know, when I found that the go-to, like, like from Commander's Baldur's Gate, there was that new Teamer Dragon, um, Milrim uh, Sentinel Worm, and also a Dragon sub-team at Teamer, um, I thought, well, I could just probably make like, a Teamer Dragon deck, right? So, took out all of the red, green, and blue dragons, um, basically anything not black and white, and put it into a set for deck, um, not, at, not in the cycle also, right? So, kind of like the random one-off uh, legendary dragons, like the ones from the um, Adventures of Forgotten Realm pre-con. Um, and so, yeah, that's a set for deck. Um, but, you know, I was still a little bit over from the, from this five-color deck that I wanted to run, um, and part of that was a, a cycle of dragons from the Forgotten Realms, right? Like, the, the legendary dragons there. Now, I had actually, separate from all this, bought the Beetle and Grim Secret Lair um, with the Monster Manual uh, Showcase style for these, along with Tiamat, right? Um, so I figured, hey, I could just make a Showcase uh, tribal deck, right? Like looking at, I, I looked at them before because I wanted. I was, I've been collecting showcase cards. All the cards from Adventure Forgotten Realm for these uh, showcase styles are incredibly cheap, right? I have some of them here, but they're incredibly cheap to pick up. I could build a deck of all of these um, of all of these showcase cards for super cheap. Um, and so I figured, okay, let, let me take those out. That get that got me to basically uh, the uh, the that basically got me to like another deck. So. Um, yeah, I mean, a couple of Baldur's Gate showcase cards that, you know, like the the, the diamonds, for example, to help with mana fixing and so on. Um, and, and I don't include the legendaries from Baldur's Gate as those don't really synergize with the deck at all, so, and there are way too many. Um, but yeah, that's how there are a bunch of dragon decks, right? So aside from Bolas, which I mentioned, and, and Arcades and Modern Red Dragons, um, you know, we have Teamer Dragons, which comes at a very cheap $56. Um, Tiamat Showcase, which is at $82. And then the Five Dragon, as expected, uh, deck will be the most expensive um, at about $233. So, yeah, that is a lot of uh, deck build. That is a lot of decks. Uh, I'm probably not going to build all of these super immediately. I mean, how am I going to... Like, I'm not even sure I'm going to bring all 19 decks to Mag Magic 30 whenever I end up going there. So I need to pick and choose and, and, and so on. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's going to be a fun time. Um, one thing in doing all this, I actually ended up looking at a quick look at like the 32 color challenge, which is basically where, where you try to build a deck for each color identity. And find what my distribution was, right? And obviously, I love a lot of five-color decks, and I have a lot of Gruel decks, Simic decks, and Bant decks. But I actually found that I have zero desire, actually, to build a mono-white or mono-blue deck. And up until, like, right before recording this episode, I thought I didn't really think I wanted to build a spirit deck. Um, but I did end up finding, actually, I wanted to build a... I, I, I ended up thinking, like, well, maybe, maybe spirits might be a good thing. And I think combining the spirits from Lorehold, from Strixhaven, and then the typical blue-white spirit stuff could give me a, a deck probably led by Kaikar, um, who has actually cares about spirits as well. Um, but yeah, and the, you know, there's also a colorless or... And, but yeah, I also don't have a colorless deck or whiteless, blackless, or redless commander yet. So... Um, yeah, other than that, you know, I have been putting my eyes to build a Popper Infect deck. Um, see, it's only $53. 
Um, more presently, I actually have already built uh, what I call a modular burn box of about 150 cards, costing about $336 total, most of which I already actually had in the Eidolons. Um, and that's all I need for basically to be play Mono Red Burn in four different color, four different formats, Legacy, Popper, Pioneer, and Modern. So I'm actually going to be going to an RCQ uh, in a couple of weeks that's Modern, that's Pioneer, and I'm going to be trying to play this, this deck list. I may not be the optimal uh, Pioneer Burn deck, but it's the one that I think fits what I'm having. So, you know, if I go to a side event at a Magic event, um, I can pull out whatever deck I need for that format as appropriate. Um, anyway, the last bit of Magic Lab that I've been up to, aside from ED8, uh, ED8's updating, is updating my collection. So, you know, I have I got a couple of binders. I used the, the Dex Protector binders, as recommended by the professor, and, you know, sorted out, you know, my basic lands, my secret layers, showcase cards, and, and filling in blanks where it was appropriate to do so, right? Like, I, I had most of the Zendikar, Sokar, Zendikar Rising showcase lands, or showcase cards, added those in. Um, you know, I got the... Um, which I, I, I fill out most, not all, most of the, the, the Dracula style cards from from the uh, uh, Midnight, from, from Crimson Vow and Midnight Hunt. Um, but yeah, I, I won't say exactly how much my, my collection costs, but I definitely think I need to start looking into getting insurance for it. Um, I, I did come to terms, though, I think also I've been collecting most, not all, of the secret layer drops. And I, I found that, you know, I, I bought a lot of them in, you know, it was like, oh, well, I want to buy like four of the five of the super bundle, might as well just get the bundle and then I'll get these extra cards for free. But I'm not really super invested in some of these, right? So um, I actually started making also a ready to let go binder. You know, I'll bring it to trade with people if I need to um, or if they need devices and use, or maybe use it in random deck building, right? Like I had Ilharg, the boar god uh, in my god tribal deck. I replaced it with the secret layer version that came there um, as well as my Gisath in my, in my dinosaur deck from the same drop as well. So, you know, that's going to be a work in progress as well. You know, I've also got a couple of things that I haven't started collecting it that I want to. Um, unglued tokens, finishing the Godzilla set, uh, starting on the Japanese Mystic Archive, which I collected all of, almost all of. Um, the Magic Player Rewards, Full Art Promos, Midnight Hunt, Crimson Vow, SNC Showcase Frames. Um, not to mention, you know, up playtest cards and upcoming secret layers, um, and of course all the Infinity Full Art Lands. So, um, yeah, that's that's definitely been like my magic thing for the past couple of uh, months, I guess at this point. Um, in any case, and then probably for the next couple of months as well. So that's where I'm at. Um, let me know, you know, what you what you think of the deck additions that uh, that I'm adding to my uh, EDH decks. Have any cards I missed for these decks? Um, what were your thoughts on on Streets of New Capenna? Are you invested at all in in uh, Baldur's Gate Alchemy? Um, you know, let me know on Twitter at EtherVortexPod or via email at IntoTheEtherVortex at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. You can leave a review on any of those podcast stores or podchaser.com. Uh, links to those in the show notes. Architect with all my decks are linked in the show notes uh, with Ninja Boy, Boris, and I. Intro out to music by Kevin MacLeod and confident.filmers.io. Editing production by Ninja Boy Media. Until next time. Next episode, um, not really sure what we'll be doing. Oh yeah, I'm going to be talking about uh, the mod, the modular burn box as well as my theory on ramp. Um, but until then, you know, may your lands be plentiful, but not too plentiful. And pass the turn.